sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Every day for the next 16 months, we will keep on fighting, we will keep on working, and we will keep on winning. We're going to win for you. We're going to win again in 2020. And in the stark change from the past, we're pursuing our interests without getting our nation bogged down in endless, costly foreign entanglements. Now, that may change. There's some bad things going on out there that should have been stopped long before this administration. But I do believe we've got it under control. I do believe we have it under control. And now, Stacey Washington. Hey there. Welcome to the program. Guess what? We have Chris Woodward, who's going to be with us uh, in the next segment. And I have some fun stories today, Um, some fun and some not so fun stories. First of all, you know that migrants are now rioting at immigration stations in Mexico to prevent themselves from being deported. And chief among these rioters, people who hail from the continent of Africa. Yeah, that's right. We have people from the continent of Africa who are in Mexico rioting because they're about to be deported from Mexico. (laughs) That's how bad this thing has gotten. When we talk about what we're looking at on the border, it's just become a free for all. It it is a just no, no laws allowed. We are also going to be talking about um, this international commission. This woman, she says that the border gate that Brian Colfidge and his group have built down there. There's actually, it's a gate along with some border fencing that it has to remain open and un- and unlocked so people can walk through it because she said so. So I posted on Facebook a petition, a link to uh, the White House petition site where you can go on there and basically uh, she needs to be fired. That, that woman has, she's the wrong idea about what it is that we're supposed to be doing on our southern border. And then we're also going to talk about Kamala Harris offering to buy the votes of America's teachers. Um, it's kind of fascinating that Out of all the things she could be talking about, she would be talking about that. And then we're also going to talk about the Supreme Court rejecting an attempt by atheists to remove in God we trust off of U.S. currency. Now, this is really it's it's where we are in America. No longer can we be surprised by these developments. We have to basically say we're not surprised. We actually know what we're looking at is people who hate God wanting to wipe any mention of him from the public eye, but wondering why things are going so badly, like they don't see a connection there. So right now I want to listen to Kamala Harris. She's, she's being interviewed here. She says she has a big idea. Her big idea is to give each teacher in America $13,500. Now, if this isn't an open and brazen attempt at purchasing the votes of millions, you know, tens of millions of American workers, teachers, then I've never seen it before. It's number three. My big idea is to raise teacher pay. Kamala Harris is just the second African-American woman and first South Asian-American elected to the U.S. Senate. Just last week, I got an email from my middle school teacher, Mrs. Wayne. (laughs) We caught up with Harris in West Columbia, South Carolina. She was in town to talk with and about teachers. teachers. There are two groups of people who are raising our children. Parents, often with the assistance of grandparents and aunts and uncles, and our teachers, and we are not paying them their value. Harris says recent teacher demonstrations across the country are proof 
a plan like hers is needed. She claims teachers on average make 11% less than other comparably educated professionals. So she wants to give them a $13,500 raise. What's the price tag? The price tag is $315 billion over the course of 10 years. We will pay for it by increasing the estate tax. The teachers union, massive, millions of people. Mm -hmm. Let's give them $13,000 each. Is this just a play to that crowd? Absolutely not. I will tell you my entire career and frankly my entire life I've been focused on education. My first grade teacher, Mrs. Frances Wilson, God rest her soul, attended my law school graduation. We are a society that pretends to care about education, but not so much the education of other people's children. <clears throat> Giving teachers a raise. That's Kamala Harris's big idea. Okay, so uh, first of all, let me just say, how dare she say that we are a nation? She speaks for the entire country, 325 million strong. She says we are a nation that pretends to care about education. Uh, and, and other people's unless it's other people's kids or that's nonsense. First of all, why should you listener extraordinaire care about the education of my kids? We already pay for through our taxes, not just pre-K through 12 education, P through 12, they now call it. We also pay for higher education because if you pay taxes and you know you do part of your taxes for your local and state Part of that money is allocated to the university system for your state. Here, it's the University of Missouri. So Missouri taxpayers help fund and keep afloat the University of Missouri system, which is a bunch of colleges and universities across the state. Some of them specialize in this or that. Some of them are easier to get into than others. But in, in other words, there is an educational option. If you are a Missouri state resident, there's an option for you for higher ed that is affordable, attainable, and taxpayer subsidized. So yes, you have to pay to go there, but you don't pay as much as you would pay if there were no state funding. The, the, the taxpayer funding actually keeps the cost of the education that the student pays. It keeps the cost down. So how does she, like, where does she get off judging all the rest of us besides herself, who, by the way, Kamala Harris has no kids. So this, th that's not an indictment on people who don't have children. It's a statement that speaks to her lack of experience with child rearing, um, paying for costs, dealing with teachers. She's talking about her teachers from her eighth grade came to her graduation. That, okay, good for you. But how about you putting kids through public school in America? How about your experiences with teachers from that aspect? She, she knows some great teachers and they're not paid enough. So the answer is not to say, how can we more effectively fund teachers by eliminating administrators? She doesn't talk about that. And, and yes, if you're listening and you're like, oh, she's getting fired up. Yeah, actually I am. You know why? Because it's not just because I served on a school board and I understand what exactly it is that we saw and uh, what, what was going on, the inner workings of running a school district. I get that. I helped set the budget for that school district. And I helped, I had to understand what we were doing. I couldn't just rubber stamp it. I had to know what we were doing with that money. But it's more than that. It's that I saw how every year I was on school board, there were more pushes to have more administrators. So good teachers would go to school for administration and get a PhD in it and then move into administration. So they're not teaching anymore. They're administrating. So they're administering the school district and basically managing other teachers and, and administrators. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with having school administration. We need some people to do that work. But if you look in your, just check your school district, go online and see how many superintendents of, that's an administrator, someone who went to school, sometimes paid for by the school district to get their PhD in school administration. And that person makes a professional salary, well over $100,000 a year. Even in the deep South, they get a ton. So these people push paper. They push paper for the state and local government and for the federal government. The U.S. Department of Education sends down these mandates for these forms and everything that have to be filled out. And these administrators, they fill out the forms. So you tell me, which would you rather pay? The person who's face to face with your child for four hours of instructional time, 188 contact days a year, which is the mandate by the state of Missouri. Your state is a little different, but it's going to be around that same number. Or do you want more character ed psychologists in your kid's building? Do you want more administrators in the office complex that's completely detached from any of the school buildings? What's so interesting about having more administrators is what they invariably will do is they will start to take issue with the building where the administrators work. And they'll say, this is what they said in the district where I was, the building has roof leaks. So instead of repairing the roof, we need a whole new building. The building is too small. So hire less administrators, put administrators offices in the school buildings for so that they're closer to their actual employees, closer to the actual thing that they're managing, the students. No, administrators, they need their own fancy high rise building or new building. They need a new structure. They need something that's 21st century. They need new chairs, new desks. They need ergonomic desks. They need the balls to sit on, you know, the, the big bouncy. It's like a exercise ball, but they use them as office chairs. Um, they need mobility. They need access. They need, uh, you know, before long, you think to yourself, is this a Google workplace or a Google headquarters or is this a school district? Why can we not just repair the roof, replace the carpet where there was you know, a roof leak? And why can you not just stay there? Why does your building have to be so new? This building doesn't smell that great. Why can't you just clean the building? Why does it have to be brand new? So I don't, I, I had not, I love teachers. I can't say I got nothing against teachers. It's the opposite of that. I love teachers. My, our kids have had some amazing teachers, people that I can still name them. I can still remember the names of their kids. I can still tell you, you know, salient facts about them, interactions that they had with, with our kids. A good teacher pours something into your child's life that you can't pour in that is it's something that sticks with them. And we've had the majority of the teachers they've had, I'd say maybe 95, 98% of them have been stellar, outstanding people. So this isn't me ragging on teachers. I love them. I give the teacher gifts. I, you know, I've baked the cookies. I've brought in the baked goods. I've, you know, I've done all, all that I can do to show appreciation to teachers. But this is simple vote buying by her. This is her saying, look, Teachers number in the tens of millions. I want to ensure that I get the vote. I want to beat Donald Trump. So the best thing to do is to say we're going to tax these millionaires and these billionaires, uh, a la Bernie Sanders, but without the accent. And then teachers will vote for me. Not every teacher deserves a $13,500 raise automatically. There are a lot of districts in which teachers are paid phenomenal salaries. They're not the majority of the districts, but there are teachers who are making a really good living working as teachers. She doesn't even delineate if this money that she's talking about doling out at our expense, 
would be given just every teacher, whether you're a first year teacher or you've achieved tenure or you've been teaching for a hundred years, everybody gets 13,500. It's like Oprah Winfrey, you get a car, you get a car. The only difference is we knew who was paying for the cars Oprah Winfrey gave out. Y'all remember that moment? GM paid for those cars. They gave her enough cars for every member of the studio audience. So not only did they know how many people were going to be in the seats, they knew beforehand because they issued tickets and they had the names and the ages. And I guarantee you they didn't give GM brand new GM cars that day to children who were sitting in the audience. It was every adult of driving age and you had to meet certain criteria. And then she got to point at everybody and say, you get a car, you get a car. And GM put the bill for that because they got great advertising out of it. And her show at that point was so popular that it made sense. And please tell me what Kamala Harris is putting down that I would want to sponsor her giveaway, her massive giveaway to the educators of America to the tune of 13500 per. What is she doing that makes me want to sponsor that? And that's the rubber meeting the road here, isn't it? She's talking about giving away billions of dollars of taxpayer money. She hadn't asked us boo-boo about it. She hasn't said anything about it. And I don't see her talking about giving any raises to radio hosts. Um, I put my finger in the air. I'll raise my hand. I'll take a $13,500 raise from um, Kamala Harris. Still ain't going to vote for her, but I'll take a raise for radio hosts. Radio hosts do some amazing work too. We interview teachers. We support teachers. I bought, I told you, I bought the teacher gifts. I've done all that I can do. I want a raise also. If she's going to give it out, she should also give it to our first responders, our police, and also, um, you know, firefighters. They're in the first responder pile. I mean, if we're going to sit here and talk about who all needs a $13,500 raise per year, and I'm talking about her saying, I get it this year, and then I get it every other year thereafter. Well, let's get the ball rolling, Kamala, who... She calls herself an African-American. She's of mixed background, and that is all well and good for her, and I don't begrudge her a bit of it, but I just love how she's black when it's convenient for her. Okay? So this is a stupid idea. Yes, I said stupid. I could have said unintelligent or uh, unworkable, but I, I'm using the simple language for her because this is an idea for simpletons. That's what she gets. All right, and we're also going to talk about how you could win $1,000 by switching to a flip phone like Warren Buffett for a week. That's pretty funny. All right, when we get back, we'll have Chris Woodward. He's a fan favorite. You stay there. We'll be right back. It's amazing, but true. When it comes to one of America's biggest household expenditures, healthcare, a lot of people think they've got no choice. People are used to thinking we have to do it this way, but they don't. Yes, you have the freedom to choose an alternative with your healthcare. It's MediShare, and it costs way less than the alternatives. The typical family saves $500 a month, not a year, a month. And if you're single, this can save you a lot too. And let's face it, a big reason MediShare is 400,000 people strong, it just works. They've shared over $3 billion in medical bills, so they can help share your needs too. Joining MediShare for so many people is one of those things that makes you say, why didn't I do this before? So yes, the time has come for something better. Look into joining MediShare and see why so many people are opting out of the old way and into the new. Why not look into this? Just call 855-PSALM-23. 
That's 855-PSALM-23, 855-PSALM-23. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I've had the wonderful privilege of serving as a visiting professor at the Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. It's a rewarding and stimulating experience for me. Some years ago, I had a student in one of my classes who dominated class discussions and freely shared his opinions. But his work ethic didn't match his ability to talk. As a result, he did poorly in the class. It was sad because he had the ability to do quite well. He was disappointed with the grade I gave him, but I reminded him that his grade was a reflection of his effort. I've observed that over the long haul, we tend to get what we give. It's as simple as that. Over the long haul, we get what we give. I want you to listen to these words in Proverbs chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. Our condition is a reflection of our effort. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand. We are who we are, and we are where we are because of what we've done. Now, there are exceptions to that rule. Suffering, affliction, and adversity are part of life. But to a large degree, we are where we are because of what we've done. Opportunity demands motivation and attention. We need to pay attention to it. We need to get after it. In the end, the pursuit of comfort and pleasure will only produce heartache and pain. Here's what I want you to remember and do today. God has given us time, energy, and opportunity. Life is a measurement of what we do with these gifts. So let's get it in gear. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hello, hello, hello. Go to StacyOnTheRight.com. Check out the content. Also, join us for more cool things at the Twitter account and the Instagram feed, both Stacy on the Right. All right, right now it's my pleasure to welcome Chris Woodward. He's a reporter and anchor for American Family News, which is a division of American Family Association. So all in the family. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you very much. Hey, you know what? I have like... There's so much news, mm-hmm. so many stories going on, and I know you have some cool stuff to cover, so I'm going to kind of toss it over to you. What are you covering? What's hot today? Well, uh, you get the White House ex- asserting executive privilege. There's a, a, a fight that's been going on for many, many months now. The Trump administration wants to add a citizenship question to the 2020 census. Democrats say you shouldn't be able to do that. It's unfair. It's not right. It's unethical, yada, yada, yada. And then... Um, so they have been subpoenaing uh, Attorney General Bill Barr, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, other people to try to get them to give more information on who came up with this idea and when, what's the ulterior motive, if any, things like that. The Supreme Court is actually um, debating whether or not the Trump administration has the right to do this. And so that led to a big kerfuffle uh, today uh, in D.C. between Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who says Democrats should be able to get all the information they want, and Jim Jordan accusing Democrats of saying, you guys are doing this to try to influence the court's decision. We should let the U.S. Supreme Court uh, decide these and other matters. Meanwhile, President Trump and the man many people think will be the Democratic Party's presidential nominee continue to trade jabs at one another. 
Vice President Biden was in Iowa yesterday. He said the president doesn't know what he's doing. Trump said he's not worried about Joe Biden. Uh, he's he's called him Sleepy Joe. Uh, he's very low energy. Uh, some of the younger people should uh, be the ones people are paying attention to. So those are the two big issues uh, today, political-wise. But also in the state of Alabama, Southern Baptists are having a convention. This is the uh, every once in a while uh, SBC convention that they have in different uh, parts of the country. Uh, and Southern Baptists are talking about things in Birmingham. One of the issues that we actually have front and center on our website today, courtesy Steve Jordahl, um, Southern Baptist Convention President J.D. Greer is warning Southern Baptists not to be a stooge for any political party, saying, in our political climate, we know that if we are known as the stooge for one party, we will lose all the audience with the other. Uh, and Steve's got a comment in here from Dr. Robert Jeffress, who you can hear on American Family Radio, saying, every evangelical I know who is close to President Trump uses his or her proximity to encourage the president in godly policies on abortion, religious liberty, and the embassy moved to Jerusalem. Jeffress, of course, is part of kind of the president's inner circle in, in terms of faith-based leaders. So there's a lot going on in the political realm and in the church, which is what OneNewsNow.com lives to cover. Okay, so you covered a lot there. I kind of want to just kind of work our way backwards, starting with the last thing. Okay. Well, okay, so what is it with people assuming that if you have anything to do with the president, you obviously, like he's influencing you as opposed to them attempting to influence the president in more godly ways because the president has uh, from from inauguration day he has really shown a propensity for invoking the name of god publicly mm -hmm. um calling on the name of the lord for help um you know saying that he's supporting pro-life legislation because it's the right thing to do and it's the moral thing to do and it's biblical other presidents who've been republicans like george bush was not this prolific of a bible quoter as, right. as donald trump is What's the what's the issue here? I don't I don't get it. I think it basically boils down to who is in the Oval Office. When Barack Obama was in the Oval, nobody had a problem with it, even though he was a pro-abortion, pro-homosexual president. George W. Bush would say things, but he wouldn't necessarily back it up with actions. And in this particular case, Donald Trump, for whatever reason, like it or not, right or wrong, put a bad taste in many people's mouths back in 2016. And since then, they've just sought every opportunity to speak badly about him based on how he has conducted himself and still conducts himself to a certain extent, maybe on Twitter. Uh -huh. uh, but, you know, the president has backed up um, and fulfilled many of his campaign promises. And I don't know really any uh, Christian who supports President Trump or, or voted for President Trump to say, look, you know, he does things. I can't I can't say I endorse or agree with everything he does, but he has done great things in the way of uh, the pro-life realm or in the judicial nominee case, things like that. And those issues are really what a lot of people looked at when they had to choose between Donald or Hillary. Uh -huh. And regardless of that, there are some people that are just always going to be never Trumpers and they're always going to find something to uh, gripe about. And then they'll try to lump you in and say, you're not a Christian or you're not really a conservative if you do these kinds of things for him and by him and all that stuff. So, you know, I get it that people don't like the president. Like he, he said the other day that uh, something about Nancy Pelosi and she said, I'm done with him. And she's, you know, obviously insulted, mm -hmm. but people don't seem to have the same, like they're not at the ready to cut people down for saying horrible things about the president. I mean, I, and it's, so, you know what I noticed, Chris, since, since obviously I do this job every day, right? So I have to read a lot of stories, you know, to prepare to do this, this job. Mm-hmm. 
I also read a lot of books and I also spend time trying to find, you know, am I holding a position that I that I agree with based on information or am I just sitting here in this, you know, I'm on the right. I'm just believing whatever the right says, because that I get accused of that a lot. You don't even know what the left believes. So I read their stuff, too. I don't see them attacking the president's policies. I see them attacking him personally, his looks, the shape of his body, right. his daughters, his sons, his wife, his wife's parents, his everything. There's nothing he can do right. So then I hear people saying, well, President Trump, you know, his demeanor is unpresidential. Well, the insults that are being lobbed at him are unpresidential. They, we don't see the same kind of deference to him that we saw with President Obama and even to a certain extent, a little bit, far less than Obama, but definitely more than President Trump, President Bush. He was given a lot of respect because he came from the Bush dynasty. And even though, you know, he danced on top of a table and he was, you know, he had a little bit of a drug addiction at one point and he was not a good manager of some football team or something like that. In the end, he was still a Bush mm-hmm. and his father had been president. And so he was given even Democrats gave him a little bit more um They just respected him more. There's no respect for Donald Trump, none whatsoever. And I just kind of wonder when you're down in the mud and you're in a mud fight, how do you stay clean in a mud fight? That that's what he's in. He's and you can't stay above the fight and still actually be in it. If you're going to fight, you're going to engage the enemy on the ground, wherever the enemy is, wherever you find him, which means you're going to be in the arena and that's where he is. And, and so it's messy and it doesn't look nice. Why is that the issue? Why isn't it the policies, the open border, the drug epidemic we have, the opioid addictions, all that stuff, the, in, the dealings with China, they're trying to work us over. They're trying to work us over. Nobody's talking about it. Yeah, I think I think it, at the end of the day, it really just comes down to the fact that Donald Trump won in 2016 and people refuse to accept it, acknowledge it. And then there are some people that just don't respect the office anymore. We have as a society um, overall, I think, just kind of lost a lot of respect for um, our government and its leaders. And now, granted, they brought a lot of that on themselves by saying they were going to do this and then they didn't or they uh, didn't do this when they said they would, things like that. Um, but we we just are not as um, it, we're just not the same that our our parents and our grandparents and and their parents uh, were in terms of respecting the office regardless of who is in it, uh, and it's been that way for for many years now. To be honest with you, you remember back when um, like Kavanaugh was getting blasted and it was ba- you know it was basically a circus there his whole mm-hmm. uh, nomination process. Some people were putting the opinion out there that look this kind of thing is going to cause um, somebody to say in the future to any president, no, thank you. Uh, I don't want to be a Supreme Court nominee because I don't want to have to go through that same sort of you know nonsense. This, who's to say that this is not going to cause um, somebody four, eight, 12, 16 years from now to say, you know what, um, I'm just not going to do that. I have solutions, but I, I don't want to put my family members through that. Uh, I don't. I mean, I would be, I would not be surprised if somebody made that decision. You know, I, I I read that as well, and I do have that concern because I've already seen it happen here locally um, where, you know, someone will, someone who has great ideas, you say, oh, wow, you know, I wish you, you know, you'd be great down in Jefferson City. Jefferson City is our capital mm-hmm. here in Missouri, you know, um, and they'll say, ah, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to go down there. I've I've said to people who said I should run. You shouldn't be on the radio. You should run for office. You should be down in the state house. And I always tell them, well. First of all, I don't want to spend five months away from my family every year because you have to live down there because it's two hours from St. Louis. 
you have to live down there for five months a year, which means I can't be parenting kids if I'm living in Jeff City. Yeah. But beyond that, there's a corrupting influence to it. And it doesn't it doesn't happen to everyone, but it happens to enough people that you kind of wonder, like I think to myself, I consider myself to be an upright individual, but I'm still a fallen person Mm -hmm. in need of a savior. Would I be corrupted? And more than that, that's at the state level. When I see people go to Washington, D.C. from here and they come back and some of them are changed. They're not they don't all come back the way they left. And the longer they're there, there's a certain they just they they become Washingtonians. They become, you know, swamp elites. It doesn't mean that they're not still voting with the Republicans or I don't still support them, but they've changed. So you have to think to yourself, do I want to be changed in that way? It is a great conversation to have because in the end, you know, we, we hope that our prayers will be answered and that God will send the right people. But it is a deterrent. It's a huge deterrent. Watching what Kavanaugh went through, I'm sure there have got to be lawyers out there who wanted to be judges who are now like, mm, I don't know about that. Like right. even a circuit judge has to go through that same circus mm-hmm. because they have to go before the House Judiciary Committee. Yeah, you, you mentioned prayer there. I think it brings us back to the 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 really the mandate as stated by the Bible that we're supposed to be praying for our leaders. Um, but, you know, as we saw, what, a couple of weeks ago, um, people just lost their minds over Franklin Graham saying, hey, we should pray for <laughs> President Trump. And people are like, what? You're not a Christian? And then when you're like, well, the Bible tells us we're supposed to pray for our leaders, they're like, oh, so you're going to bring the Bible into this. What are you trying to do? Ah! You know, it, the people lose their minds. But look, it, it, it brings us back to this. If God said it, that ends it. It doesn't matter what you believe. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to pray for our leaders. And you, by the way, need to be in prayer for yourself that, you know, the words of your mouth and the meditations of Uh your soul uh, are acceptable in the sight of the Lord, things like that. So we all need to step it up and pray more. I mean, I don't, um, you know, the presidential line of succession includes uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. I don't agree personally with, like, everything that she pushes, but she's two heartbeats away from the presidency. And she's Which in charge of things. we should be praying for her, right? Right. <sighs> right. Yeah. It doesn't say pray for those that you agree with and that you voted for. It says pray for those that are in authority. And we all need to step it up and pray for people that are in power. And I, I just want to echo your comments because you couldn't be more dead on. How, how many of us can tell on this side of eternity what would, what would President Obama have been like if the, the people in this country who were obedient hadn't been praying for him? Oh, yeah. See, see what we do is we look at what he did. And I, I criticize him. I'm one of those people who said, well, you know, the reason why kids can only work 20 hours, 28 hours a week is because Barack Obama and the Democrats passed Obamacare. And so we're still living under that legislation. And that's his fault. And I point to it. But we don't know how much worse he would have been had those Christians who were actually obedient to God and prayed for President Obama not prayed for him. If we'd had a whole nation full of people who just shut their mouths and closed their hearts off and said, you know what, I'm not praying for him because he's not my guy. Yeah. And I remember when I started to pray for him, because I went the first couple of years, I, I didn't pray for him not once. When I started to, my heart softened up and I was able to see, you know, there were some good things that he did. He had a mentoring program that he started out of the White House yeah. that spread across the country. And, and there are like thousands of young people who were mentored by professionals who now are in college that probably wouldn't have been without that program. I talked about that on the air. I got backlash for it, Chris, but it was the truth about him doing something good. And I was able to find that because 
the Lord was able to soften me up. Hey, he's not your guy, but he's still the president. You should be praying for him. And, and it was the right thing to do. And so for President Trump, how much more should we Christians be paying for him, praying for him after the onslaught that we see he's under, but also because the corrupting influence of Washington, D.C., he's not immune to that as the president. He's right there in the mix. He can be corrupted as well. And we don't know what he'll be like if we don't pray for him. We don't want to know what he'll be like if we don't pray for him. Right. And, you know, you don't have to pray that um, you know, if you I mean, you don't have to pray for all of his policies to succeed and things like that. But pray that he would be level headed. He would have good health because, look, if the president gets sick, I mean, the Dow drops a thousand points, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> things like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, you know, pray for wisdom and um, for people around him to have a good influence. I mean, Mike Pence, uh, I think, has a has a. An influence on the president. It's one of the reasons why Trump picked him. Yes, it was to court maybe faith-based voters and things like that. Uh, but I mean, he obviously saw something in Mike that he didn't see in other people. I call him Mike because we're on a first name basis. Um, so you know, uh, I've met him before too, but I don't call him. That. Uh, yeah, we're on, we're on, yeah, and Karen too. Uh, no, um, but yeah, I mean. You just pray for people around him to have a good influence. Pray that he would listen to people. You can pray that he would put down the phone and not tweet so much. Uh-huh. You can, you know, the if you have you have not because you ask not. So be in prayer for the president and all of the people uh, in authority, from members of the house to your senators to your governor, your mayor, uh-huh. your school board members, city council members, all the kinds of people that make decisions that impact your life where you live. Listening to this show. And Chris couldn't be more right about that. Chatting with Chris Woodward, reporter and anchor for American Family News. I just want to point out to a news story that I know you guys have touched on. Illinois Governor Pritzker signed an abortion protection law that enables abortion up every minute of pregnancy. No restrictions, no criminal penalties for those who aren't doctors performing abortions. And I want to point out that a lot of we first of all, we have good listeners in Illinois who are living under this tyranny. And we should encourage the people of Illinois to continue to pray for their government. It's definitely gone down the wrong path. It's ungodly. It's unconscionable that they would do this. But God can still work in Illinois. He can still change things. It doesn't, you don't have to give up, especially for people who you're kind of stuck there. You can't move right now, stationed in uh, Scott Air Force Base or what have you, or you own a farm there. You can't mm-hmm. move. Still, we got to pray for the leadership there. Right. And this is regardless of party. It's our duty as Christians to obey what God's word says. And he tells us to pray for those who are placed in authority over us. Uh, OneNewsNow.com is the website. You can find everything that Chris was talking about and more. And I encourage you to go there, check out the stories, share them, hit the Facebook and tweet buttons. Um, Chris, I always enjoy you coming by. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you. See you again. All right. Talk to you again soon. He was live from Studio H, and I'm Stacey Washington, live from the SOTR studios in the suburbs of St. Louis. <laughs> we'll be right back. This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book, Uncommon Marriage. After we'd adopted our son Jordan, we discovered that Jordan's special needs stem from a genetic issue. We also knew that God created Jordan and that this child was loved by our Heavenly Father. I remember thinking God is in control and that His ways are higher than our ways. Tony and I wondered whether we would be able to help Jordan and meet all his medical challenges. We knew that God was aware of our struggles and that He had watched Jordan as he developed in his mother's womb. God knew everything our son would face. 
He also was preparing Tony and me to care for this precious child. Remember, no matter what, God is always in control. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Here's what you've missed on Airing the Addisons. This article here uh, from just last year, one of the more recent articles on snoozing, says that when you snooze on a regular basis, among other things that happens to your body, you become addicted to snoozing. Mm-hmm. Please don't do that. What? Like, what? Don't, I'm, I'm but, agreeing with the article. No, but your agreement was as if you already knew that. You didn't know that snoozing was addictive. It makes sense, though. That's that's what the mm-hmm was, because people who snooze, they love, like, they, they can't not do it. That makes you know, sense. Everyone, everyone listening to this program, including your wife, knows that they is a synonym for Miki. No, they. No, that's Whoever no, snooze. that's exactly what you mean. And everybody <laughs> knows it. And when I say everybody, I mean me. That's my synonym for me. So I'm talking back about to the they article. Snooze. They who snooze. Is that scripture? <laughs> like that. Airing the Addisons. So Weekday morning, six to eight central on Urban Family Talk. Giving you the business. I'm Linda Bell with the Fox Business Network. In 2002, Mahisha Dellinger wanted to leave corporate America and her marketing job at Intel. At a dinner with her then-fiancé, now-husband, he asked her the following question. You're always experimenting with these different products. You have so many things under your shelf, under your bathroom sink. Why don't you create a hair care line? She began writing down her business ideas on a napkin. Wrote down names, ideas, all the products I wanted, what I wanted in it, and what I didn't want inside of it, the name of the brand itself. Came back that Monday, refreshed, and started working. Dellinger, CEO and founder of Curls, has grown the company from her kitchen into a multi-million dollar hair care brand available in retailers including Walmart, Target, and CVS. Curls is designed for people with natural curly hair. Dellinger attributes her rough childhood and what she calls survival and grit to her business success. Giving you the business, I'm Linda Bell, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacey on the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or urbanfamilytalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Representative DeLauro, um, at $174,000, members of Congress get paid a salary that is 300%, 370% of the median earnings of a full-time American worker. Do you deserve a raise? Uh, I, I am not supporting an increase uh, in, in a raise. Whenever we have had, what I have done over the last several years is I've taken that money and I, I do not take it. I put it toward a scholarship in my, fa- in my dad's name, my mother and father, for the last 29 years. Wow. So that was Representative DeLauro. She says she doesn't support a pay raise and any salary increase she's gotten for the past 25 years, she puts towards a scholarship. Now, I want I want to make a point here. No one is saying that members of Congress can't periodically increase their pay. But what exactly have they done? We've had guests on this program who talked about the administrative state growing. And the only way the administrative state can grow is if congressional members get together in these committees and say, whenever we vote on this issue, people get fired. In other words, voters say, Mm-mm, you ain't you, you ain't going back to Washington, D.C. if that's what you think. So what we can do is we can pawn these decisions off to uh, bureaucrats. And bureaucrats can't be gotten rid of. They can't be found. You never know where they are. 
Um, they're under these union contracts, which make it impossible to get rid of them. And so that's what they do. Now, in the in the big grown up world, we would see Americans really get upset about that and do something about it. But most Americans, it's like you put one fire out. It's like you're bailing out with a with the uh, a teacup instead of plugging the hole and bailing the water out with buckets. We're using a teacup and the plug the hole never gets plugged. So it's it feels daunting and unsolvable and like something that is outsized that we can't manage. But we have a lot that we can do to stop this. And namely, it's sending better people to Washington, D.C. And I go back to what Chris Woodward was saying last segment. He made a point about prayer that we can't stress enough. We actually have this situation in America right now where people think that because when something horrible happens, like a mass shooting or terrorism or, or anything really, natural disaster, and people start talking about praying, then unbelievers and carnal Christians will pop up. Well, thoughts and prayers don't mean anything. Well, you're right. Thoughts and prayers don't mean anything. Because if you're praying to someone, I'm sending prayers to you. We don't pray to each other. We pray to the Father. That's first of all. Second of all, we the thoughts aren't something you send. Like if I send you a thought, how do you know you got it unless I told you? So I'm not sending you anything. So it's really the prayer that matters. And if the prayer is some tertiary thing where you're only praying when the going gets rough, you're only praying when there's a school shooting, there's the problem right there. Prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer is so important. That's why people are against it. Have you ever noticed that when you talk about doing something like, let's say you're working on a committee or working in a group or you're at your job and you come up with a solution to something and there's always a few people who are like, you know what, that'll never work. And the naysayers, if you let them, they'll talk down your idea and you'll leave the meeting and you won't have solved anything. You will have shared your idea and everyone in the room is dejected and thinks that it can't work. It's we have that same thing going on with the Democrats about the border wall situation, about our budget. There are a ton of different problems and a ton of different solutions, but the people who would make the decisions don't, they don't pull the trigger because they've been convinced that nothing good can come of it. And that is the enemy. He wants you to think that prayer can't work. And if you're just throwing a little half Z prayer out every now and again, when something bad happens, then you're probably not going to see very many results. Prayer is not so much about, well, I got to spend 40 hours a week praying or I should just pray whenever something bad happens. It's up. It's much more about you saying to yourself, this is a relationship. What kind of relationship would you have with your husband or your child or your best friend if you only talked to them when things were horrible and you only spent 60 seconds then? A relationship means a continual conversation. It means you prioritize it. And the way to really supercharge your prayer life is to get in God's word and see what his word says about the problems that we have. It would, would it shock you to know that the Bible talks about immigration? Go to Nehemiah. Would it shock you to find out that the Bible talks all through Psalms and Proverbs about the way to live, how to praise God, how to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how to live before God in a way that pleases him, a quiet and meaningful life, how to not be a slave to accomplishments and ambition And you guys know I'm all about goal setting and I'm about achieving, uh, you know, good things. I want to I want to do big things. But 
I don't want to be owned by those big things or those goals. I don't want to be constantly striving and competing with other people and, you know, climbing all over people's backs and pushing them down to elevate myself. That's not the way to get whatever it is that God has for you. And so there's this, this huge push right now. Don't pray about it. Well, prayer doesn't do any good. Well, it doesn't do any good for you. Negative talker. You, you're not getting your prayers answered. Worm tongue. If you're sitting up telling other people how prayer doesn't do anything, well, we know one thing for sure. You ain't getting your prayers answered. You cannot get your prayers answered if you're running around telling other people how prayer doesn't work. Okay? We know that for sure. So what do we know then after that? What, what do we know good after that? Well, we know God's word is true. We know he does not lie. We know he is holy and he cannot abide sin. We know that if we pray his will, we will get the answer. And we know that prayer strengthens us. That his word is health and life to our bones. And so if you hear, not if, I take that back, rewind it, delete, delete, delete. When you hear the enemy with his hand up somebody's back, using them like a puppet to tell you that prayer doesn't work, you immediately say, okay, thank you so much for sharing what you think. But what I know is that not only does prayer work, it not only does it change circumstances, Not only does it change other people, but prayer changes me. And since you can't stop me from praying, that's the most amazing thing about prayer. Other people, if they're in control of you, if they, if if they have you in captivity, if you're in prison, if you're, they can control almost every part of you, except whether or not you're praying, they can tape your mouth shut. They can gag you. They can do whatever they want to do to you, but they cannot stop you from praying because prayer is something you can do with your eyes open and your lips closed and people can think you're paying attention and you can really be praying. No one can stop you from praying. No one. You can stop. You hear somebody telling you not to pray. You can stop, but you don't have to listen to other people tell you not to pray. And then later when you have prayed and you have got the answer to your prayer, instead of keeping it to yourself, you can tell other people, you know what? You're saying prayer doesn't work, but let me tell you about a time when it worked for me. Give them the information. You don't have to yell at them or smack them or choke them. You might be thinking about it because sometimes that happens to me, but you don't have to, you don't have to do any of those things. Just tell them when the last time God answered a prayer for you and then say, I just thought you'd want to know that. Thank you for telling me how you don't think prayer works. I disagree. All right. Have a great one. That's all. That's all you got to say. All right. So we have good time here. Uh, Call lines are open. You want to join us? 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Mary in Kansas. Hey, thanks for calling the show today. Thank you. Um, first off, Congress really don't deserve a raise until they pay us back that $25 million plus they wasted on trying to go after President Trump. And mm-hmm. the congressperson talking about she hadn't accepted a raise. Well, she's still accepting it, and she's putting it in a scholarship yeah, which is good, but she's still taking the money and putting it into a scholarship, and she can probably write it off as a tax donation. So she's <laughs> That's a great it, point. <laughs> and, I feel like, and I feel like none of them deserve it because they have wasted our money. Like I said mm-hmm. before, I repeat myself, excuse me. No, go ahead. I do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that there's so much chaos. And another thing that makes me mad, when service people are having to go on a bike ride to raise money, for three hundred fifty thousand dollar machine that will help them walk, when we could take eighteen million dollars away from Planned Parenthood, how that five hundred something men put up, 
one of those machines in every state at every VA, mm-hmm. and then our soldiers would all have to go off and get wounded and be, and have disability, and they've got to pay for their own rehab. So Congress needs to be prayed for because they sure aren't taking care of our guys that women that fight for us. So, yes, prayer works. So let's start praying for Congress and tell them to get out of their head and start putting some brains in there. Thank you so much. Oh, Mary, that was great. Great call. I agree with you 100%. And the point that she just made about the veterans where, you know, they're out doing bike rides to raise money. So, that, I mean, can, can we just sit for one, just one second? You, on one hand, you have congressional members earning 174000 And the point Mary made about that lady accepting the money and then getting the tax write-off, I hadn't even thought about the tax write-off. It's so on point. This, this is why we have the best listeners anywhere in radio. The best listeners. We have all the best list. We have all the best things, actually. If you've ever been to AFR, you know we have all the best things. So she's right. So not only do you have these 174000 which is 300 and some odd percent more than the median worker's salary for an American in this country, but you also have the fact that they refuse to do anything about the VA not being properly funded. The minute you say, well, Planned Parenthood shouldn't get $550 million and $1.1 billion in Medicare reimbursements, did you hear what I said? $1.1 billion a year. They're a profitable business. They're a non-for-profit, but they actually turn a profit every year, and they send some of that profit to Democrats to make sure they can't get defunded. Oh, I, I could go off on a tangent right here. Mary just lit the fire. Excellent call. Adriana in Arkansas. Hey, Adriana. Thanks for calling the show. Hey. Nice to meet you. Uh, I am Adriana. I am from Spanish country. I came into this country in 2002 when my country was a mess. I came and did everything legal. I pay every fee, and it took me 12 years to get my citizenship. So I would like to know why politicians are against the law, or some politicians are against the law, and are telling all these people, yes, come, illegal, it's okay. And all the rest, that we did everything and pay every fee and obey every single law, uh, some of them are still waiting. My daughter has been waiting for now 16 years. Wow. What, what is the difference between illegal and legal? Legal are the ones that suffer, have to pay, and illegal, can they get a job immediately? Mm-hmm. You know, can you're making someone a point. answer that question? I, I, so the po- people who deserve to answer that question are people like Nancy Pelosi and good immigrants like yourself have asked her that on CNN and she always dodges the question. It's so unfair that you had to pay and wait 12 years to come here and work and, and be a part of America and someone else. And yet your daughter's waiting 16 years and other people are just walking across the Rio Grande right now while we're talking, they're walking across. I have a story that I think I put up on Facebook showing them just streaming across the border in large numbers. And there's nothing that we're doing about it because of the Democrats and Republicans in action. Adriana, thank you for sharing your story and for calling the show and for the just the just telling the truth. Thank you for that. Joe in Arkansas. We have a couple minutes left. Hey, thanks for calling the show. You know, OK, thanks Stacey, for taking the call. What I want to comment on was the uh, point that came up in your discussion with your guest about how people in this country seem to feel freer to criticize and say bad things about President Trump and any previous president. 
And I think it's because of the influence of the mainstream media, the atmosphere created by the mainstream media. Mm. They're constantly criticizing Trump. And so this kind of creates an atmosphere where people feel free, like they have permission to indulge in whatever trashiness and nastiness is in them and say bad things about President Trump. You know, it's like oh, not all that many people have much minds of their own. So when the big media create this atmosphere against Trump, then they just kind of join in the fray, you know, kind of join in, uh, be, be like members of the gang, members of the cult, and criticize Trump right along with what the media are doing. Uh, you're, I think you're right. I mean, it is the media um, kind of ginning people up. And I, I, we've talked about this before, Joe, on the show about the airports when you're sitting there. And I've been at the airport before. And, you know, I, so I listen to CNN in clip form. I don't actually have cable here at the house where I could just turn it on and watch it all day and all night. And even if I watch maybe three clips from CNN, by the time I get to the third clip, so we're talking about no more than 12 minutes. Usually a clip is a minute and a half to three minutes. If I've watched even nine minutes of CNN on YouTube, my, I, my face is hot. I feel the hair on the back of my neck is raised and I'm upset. And, and so if you listen to that, and, and of course I'm upset, I'm triggered, I'm on the right. I, I don't agree with what they say. But if you go to, you know, let's say you're a Democrat and you agree with what they're saying, it's still upsetting because all it's there to do is to agitate people and make them hate other people. And that is, I think, part and parcel to people letting down their guard and really feeling like they have a right to say things about Donald Trump that they would never say about Barack Obama. And, and, it, and it's wrong. And that is why I just circle back around to Chris Woodward's conversation from earlier. We got to be praying for our leaders, but we have to pray for each other to pray for this country. Um, we have to pray that God would change our hearts because that's the only way we'll see people start to communicate with each other instead of just hurling insults and uh, ginning up a lot of really tough conversations. Um, all right. You know what? If you're leaving us now, God bless from the heartland. I'm Stacy Washington. And this is Stacy on the right.